Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, uh, we have so much to talk about today in your word. And you have planned before this day even came about that the people are hearing these words, the people that are here in the room, that you have preordained for them to be here for a reason. And I pray, Father, now that we open up our hands and our hearts to receive your grace and your hope and your instruction so that when we leave here today, not only are we excited that we came, but Father, we have an extra bounce in our step. Oh, Father, that's what we pray for today. Help me get out of the way and let you shine before these people. And everyone shouted. So welcome, Westside Family Church, here in the North Sanctuary, our South Sanctuary, our Speedway Campus. A shout out to those who are watching online. Uh, we have uh, today Claudia, who's watching from Tucson, Arizona. And we also have Brooks, who's watching from Walt Disney World, right? So she says she can't do the rides without a little bit of Jesus, right? So say hi to Mickey Forrest Brooks. Claudia, welcome. Let's give a hand to those who've joined us online. And for all of you who've made the decision, important decision, to be here today. Well, in our journey down the Romans Road so far, we have passed two mile markers. And at this first mile marker, uh, Paul is going to confront us with a question and then give us a particular action step. This first mile marker asks and answers the question, where do I stand with God? We learned in Romans chapter one, verse one, through chapter 3 and verse 20, that none of us, no, not a one of us, was born in a right relationship with God because of the sin nature that we inherited all the way back to Adam. It's transmitted to us. That we have all acted this out in selfish ways that have hurt the people around us. And this kind of behavior, Paul says, has no place in the kingdom to come. It has no place in the kingdom to come. And so you ask the question, has any uh, of you hurt anyone in any way? And the answer, if the answer is yes, and I'm sure that it is, then you're going to have to figure out a way to get rid of this behavior, this junk in your bag, before you meet God at the checkpoint, or you are not getting in. And the action step that we were invited to take is an old-fashioned word, repent. And the word repent, as it relates to road language, means that you do a U-turn, from the direction you were going away from God, a U-turn, and you admit that you fall short of the glory of God. Step number one. Then as we continue down the road, we come to mile marker number two, where Paul asks the question, how do I become a Christian? This is foundational bedrock teaching we want everyone to be extremely clear on. Or how do I get into a right relationship with God? And the action step that we offered up to you was to simply place your faith in Jesus. To place your faith in Jesus. Here we are trusting Jesus Christ to do something for us that we are unable to do for ourselves to get us across this gap to the other side where God is. And Paul in his teachings in 321 through chapter 5 is going to give us four concepts to try to help each one of us understand what does it mean to place your faith in Christ. If you're taking notes, write these down. The first one comes from the courtroom. 
And Paul is saying that when you place your faith in Christ, you are justified. You are justified, which simply means God, the judge, drops all the charges against you, even though you are guilty. That's what happens. Secondly, um, we, Paul draws from the language of slavery. And he says that when you place your faith in Christ, you are redeemed. You are redeemed, which means that Jesus' blood bought you and set you free from the bondage or the slavery to sin. The third analogy that Paul draws upon is from the sacrifices of the Old Testament. The sacrifices, and he says, when you place your faith in Jesus, you are atoned. You are atoned for, which simply means that you have transferred your sin and your guilt to Jesus. You've transferred it to him. And the fourth analogy comes from the world of banking. And Paul says, when you've placed your faith in Jesus, you receive a credit or you are credited. And what that means is that you have received an invitation to let Jesus pay for your debt and to credit you with righteousness. So Paul gives four different ways to look at this, to try to to awaken the soul of somebody who needs a different way to think about it, to look at it. And uh, there are many of us who have taken these first two steps. I took it on June the 14th, 1974. And last week, if you were here, Scott Johnson, he took it, uh, this step on February the 2nd of 2020. And many of you have taken it at different times in your life. And when you cross this bridge, when you place your faith in Christ, what you discover is that you now have an eternal relationship with God that can never be taken away from you. Nothing can snatch you out of the Father's hand, not even yourself. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you realize that this did not cost you anything, but it cost God's son everything. And um, I'm hopefully, after all of this, there is no one left hearing who has decided to hold out of this free gift and remained on the other side of the Romans road, knowing that the gift has been made available. You're now on the other side. And the most obvious question is, well, now what? Now what do I do? So if you're interested in the answer to that question, yeah? I'm gonna invite you to take your Bibles and hold them high over your head. You can hold up a traditional analog Bible or a digital Bible. You can use the Westside app, really cool tool, and say this prayer we've been saying every week in our journey down the Romans road. Ready? Lord, dear Lord, ready? Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We take this journey together down the Romans road, knowing the destination is you. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. I'm going to invite you to look at verse 1. As today we turn over mile marker number 3, where Paul's going to answer the question, How do I grow? How do I grow? Paul begins with a similar question in verse 6, verse 1. Chapter 6, verse 1. He says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace 
may increase. Shall we go on sinning like we did on the other side that grace may increase? Now, I want you to underline the word grace. Uh, What this means is that the only way that you got to the other side has nothing to do with you and had everything to do with Christ. You did not merit this relationship with God. And so now that you're on the the other side, uh, do you continue to rely on this grace with the intent of living like you did on the other side. And that is what Paul is saying. He says, now that I'm on the other side, should I continue to live like I lived, or is there something different? And Paul is saying, no, there's something completely different on the other side. I want you to look at verse two. Paul writes, by no means do I want you to keep living the way you lived over here. We died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Paul says that there is a whole new life over here on this side with God. And he's saying to us that we do not have to wait until we get our clearance at the divine checkpoint and enter into the eternal kingdom of God, which is now ours. We don't have to wait for this kind of life until we pass the checkpoint. We can actually start living this whole new way of life right now. Now, he uses baptism to make his point. And I want to dive here just a little bit deep into the idea of what baptism, water baptism, really is all about. So the idea, Paul says, is that when you go under the water, when you go under the water, it symbolizes that you have been buried with Christ in his death on the cross. And all of the sins of your life have been buried with it because you transferred all of your sin and guilt to him and he died for it. And those sins, past, present, and future, will never be brought up in your face again before God. Can I get a hallelujah? Right? Now, you are also cutting off your association once and for all uh, to uh, Adam in the garden. You are cutting your association, your affiliation off with him, he is no longer a part of your family tree. When you come out of the water, Paul says, this is symbolizing Christ's resurrection from the dead, so too we who have placed our faith in Christ are being raised to a whole new life in Christ and we will also one day experience a resurrection and receive an imperishable body, which is essential for life in the new kingdom. We are also now declaring our connection to Jesus. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 3, Jesus says these famous words to the person who places their faith in him, you are born again. You are born again to a new spiritual family. So if you're taking notes, write this down about baptism. Baptism is a public declaration symbolizing the death of our old self in Adam and the birth of our new life in Jesus. And so the third action steps in the, in the Romans road is simply be baptized. Be baptized. 
Now, there's nothing miraculous about the water. Uh, there's, there's nothing in the baptism that saves you, but rather this is something that Jesus invites everybody to do, to make an internal decision to repent and place your faith in Christ and then to publicly declare to the world that you are unashamed of your association to Jesus. And I am wearing myself out up here trying to convince all of you, whether you've accepted Christ or you did it 10 years ago, that you must make this decision if you understand what Jesus is inviting you to do and all that he did for you. Baptism does not hurt. (laughs) Dying on a cross does. It's not that bad of a trade. Amen? So if you didn't get baptized last week, which was so really cool, you can do it this week. We don't have the baptismal tanks here, but we can take you out to the pond and get her done today. (laughs) You should have done it last week. (laughs) If we are born again, then what that means is that we are spiritual babies and we're going to need to grow up in this new way of life. This is what he goes on to say in the next paragraph. Pay attention, okay? It's gonna get a little thick here. Ready? Verse five. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, when Paul says that we have been freed from sin, it doesn't mean that we stop sinning, right? All you connected with that? It doesn't mean that we stop sinning, but it means that we have been once and for all freed from the eternal consequences of our sins and sin's grip on us to keep us from a relationship with God. We've been freed from the eternal consequences. As a matter of fact, in verse eight of Romans, famous passage of scripture, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have been freed from the grip of sin to keep us from a relationship with God and entrance into his eternal kingdom. Now, listen up. One day, when we shed this perishable body that we got from Adam in our natural birth, we're actually going to be, in that day, freed from sinning. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Now, I want you to look at the word united in verses five and in verse five. He uses the word twice. And in the Greek language that Paul is writing here, this is a gardener's term. As a, as a matter of fact, even today, horticulturalists use this word union to refer to the grafting of a branch into another tree. For Paul's purposes, here is what he's trying to teach us. There is this branch on a tree that is not producing any fruit. And the reason it's not producing any fruit is because it's attached to a tree or to a trunk that is diseased or unhealthy. So it's not producing any fruit. But if you take the branch and carefully 
cut it off at the place of the womb if you will take that and carefully graft it into another trunk, another tree that is in fact healthy, that over time the nutrients of the healthy trunk will enter into the branch that has been grafted in and eventually that branch which produced no fruit will eventually produce fruit again. Paul is saying the same is true of our lives. When we cross the bridge of faith, here is yet another thing that automatically happened to us. You were grafted into Christ. So if you're taking notes, write this one down. This is so good. Ready? Here we go. Unite. God the gardener grafts our branch into the vine of Jesus to produce fruit in our lives. Now, Paul's going to give the same analogy over in chapter 7 of Romans, verse 4. So I want you to look at that with me. Ready? Paul writes, So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that you might bear fruit to God. Now, the phrase died to the law, what does that mean? It means that once you placed your faith in Jesus, that we are freed from the law's ability to condemn us. The 600 plus laws of the Old Testament are no longer holding a hammer over our head. They no longer have the right to condemn us. Christ fulfilled the law at his death and for those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, he credited his righteousness into our lives. Now, underline the word fruit in this passage. No doubt, Paul is making a reference to the fruit of the Spirit that he referenced in another book he wrote, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. As a matter of fact, this is the first of the 13 books that Paul actually wrote. Romans actually sits in your Bible first, but it was the book of Galatians he wrote nine years earlier. And this is the famous passage of Scripture where he talks about fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is, now soak this in, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things you can't get by simply keeping the law in your own strength. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Spiritual growth as a babe in Christ, comes from abiding in Christ. Jesus actually talks about this explicitly in John chapter 15. Check it out later. Now, over time, if we abide in the trunk of Christ, if we abide in the vine of Christ, this is the kind of fruit that we will produce in our life. And this is the fruit, if you look at the list again, this is the fruit that nurtures and uplifts and edifies the lives of the people around us. This is the kind of fruit that the people around us need from us, and this is the kind of fruit that we are going to need and is welcomed into to life in the eternal kingdom of God. In the other side of the Romans road, you preoccupied yourself with the fruit of worry. One man said, I've had so many troubles that if anything bad happens today, it'll be two weeks before I can worry about it. Some of you are still in that mode. 
But on the other side, there is the fruit of peace. Things don't get us uptight as they once did because you are at peace. On the other side, there was a hot-tempered and impulsive and vengeful person. If someone cut you off on the road, you would speed up and you would say, good morning. (laughs) And give them a piece of your mind that you cannot afford to lose. But on this side, there is a calm patience. (laughs) There's a calm patience. You know that they didn't mean to do this and and that it life's too short to get upset about such things and so you simply wave to them and whisper it's all right because on this side the fruit looks a lot different this is the vision for the new life that God has in mind for you uh, you were never this way in public but when you were behind closed doors with the people you said you love the most well, this is when you get ornery. This is when you get mean-spirited and angry and controlling. But on this side, with those people, even when no one else can see you, there is a gentleness and there is a joy about you. And these people that you spend so much time with are now finding it a lot easier to be around you. On the other side, you were overcome with bad uh, uh, habits and addictions. But on this side, there is a growing self-control and a victory over these things that once riddled your life and was ruining your relationships. And I find it interesting that so many people that are holding back on crossing this road, the Romans road, do so because they really believe that life on this side is free. And that life on this side is so much better. And that life on this side is you know, doing it my way, which is really the good way. Uh, but I have to tell you, those of us who live life on this side say, there is no way. Amen? There's no way life on this side is better than the vision that God has for life on this side. This is the kind of life that the people around us so desperately want us to experience. They want us to grow up. They want us to experience the fruit of Christ so that when they taste into the fruit of our life, it is sweet. I have to tell you, this is the vision and the passion I have for my own life. More than anything else in my life, I want to have this fruit on the branches of my life for Roseanne and for my children, for my grandchildren, for my neighbors, and for my brothers and sisters in Christ to experience. This is God's vision for me, but not just for me alone, but for many people that you're sitting right around, and maybe even yourself. And I wanna tell you and show you just one story of a West Sider who's taken this journey, if you'd like to hear it, yeah? Okay, so let's uh, welcome uh, the young family from our Speedway campus, Kent and Karma out. Let's give them a hand as they share uh, their story today. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys uh, for sharing your story. Sure. Uh, let me, let me kind of lay the background here in our conversation. Uh, neither one of you grew up in a Christian home. Correct. Did not go to church. Uh, you guys met at the age of 13, so you've known each other a long time. Long time. Uh-huh. Fast forward, uh, you uh, uh, started living together, right? Right. Okay, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, no judgment, I'm just stating, you know, just... Just dating, okay, you know that now. Yep. Uh, and, um, and then you, uh, you got married in uh, 2000, no, 1997. 97, right. 1997, okay. And so um, what I want uh, you to do uh, is to uh, share with us uh, what, it's, what was, is, was it like 
uh, living with this guy back there? Be honest. Okay, well, he um, was very angry all the time, always frustrated, um, controlling, and selfish. But other than that, he was great. <laughs> well, here's my looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it weren't for his looks, man, it would be a total disaster, right? You, you share with me, I think, one particular story uh, that really sort of expressed this guy. Yeah, um, there was a time in our life, and it's continuous, but um, where you struggle with money and time, and um, our car was broke down, one of our cars, and Kent is a mechanic, and so he was outside fixing it and realized that it wasn't going to be fixed in time for whomever to use it. So he basically told me that he was going to take the car to work and that I would have to figure out how to get to work or cancel my my plans because um, I'm self-employed, so it would have been easier for me to do so. So knight in shining armor right there, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. okay. Yes. So um, with that being said, um, we started yelling. We were, we were full right arguing out in the front yard, um, just going at each other. And as Kent wanted to control the situation, he um, said we needed to take it inside because we'd only lived in our house for about couple months, so he didn't want the neighbors to know what our mess was. <laughs> so we went inside, and we continued to argue and yell, and there was a really loud knock at the door. It startled both of us, and it wasn't the police. It was Larry, and Larry is our neighbor, and he had a set of car keys in his hand, and he said, just want you to know I've been in your shoes. Um, I'm here to help. Here's the keys. The tank is full, and we don't expect it back any time in a hurry. So it was very humbling um, for me to see that my junk was out there and there was somebody willing to help clean up my mess. Um, and very embarrassing, right? Embarrassing. So we don't ask for help. Yeah, yeah. So you, this is a, you know, I mean, you're in front of thousands of people here. She just kind of threw you under the bus, yeah. right? Uh, do you, do you, yeah. On life on that side, do you own that? I do. I do own that. That that was part of my story. It is part of my story. Yeah. Um, as Cameron was saying to you, that it was really hard for her to come up with that story um, yeah. because that person has died. Yeah, yeah. So I want you to um, um, uh, tell us. I mean, obviously you've crossed this this uh, road here. You've crossed this bridge here. Uh, tell us when that happened. So uh, late 2008, um, my sister approached me and said, "We're praying for you." She was a speedwear at the theaters at the time with her husband, Doug. Um, they'd invite us to church several times, uh, kind of turned down. Finally, Cameron said, we need to go. So they said, okay, let's go. So we went once a month, maybe twice a month for a little while. It was a slow we process. Sat way up yeah, sat in the top. very it's top speedy. row. Which is a similar story from last row. week if you were here, right? Yeah. So you start up yes. there, you come down yes. here, and you end up here, right? You're right. <laughs> It's a very fast process. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we did that. Um, one of our clients, Lori Wellner, um, was uh, uh, speedwear as well, and she, uh, was a very, she's a very strong Christian. She, she came to camera, and while she was cutting her hair, and said, hey, I got this DVD for you, Case for Christ. Uh, it's a documentary. Um, we finally put it in after a few weeks and washed it. Reluctantly, I washed it, and... Uh, but it, it, it struck a chord with me because it was from an atheist yeah. point of view and trying to disprove Jesus. It, this can't happen. So he was 
went through all these steps. And um, it took me three or four times watching it, but finally figured out Jesus is a real thing. Mm. But as a mechanic, I'm a black and white guy. I have to have facts. I have to, I'm not going to put my faith into something that doesn't really fulfill what they say. So um, I started listening to sermons. I, I, we went to church every week, uh, started doing small groups and things like that. I could get any information I could. And finally, um, I was on the uh, highway, I-70, by Hayes, Kansas, uh, May 19, 2009. And uh, there was a sermon that come on. I started listening to Bot Radio Network every day. Sermon was on, uh, at the end of the sermon, they asked about, it's basically like altar call, like, uh, have you accepted Jesus? If not, this is how you're going to do it. You say this prayer. My heart started racing, pounding on my chest, hands starting to sweat. Um, I pulled over on the side of the highway and started pacing around my truck three, four, five times, semis flying by. Um, the grass was tall that spring, and it was just kind of waving around. And finally, I got down on my knees down in the ditch, and... Uh, started crying, just uncontrollable crying. Thought about how much I had sinned against God and against my wife and how much stuff, junk, it was in my baggage. And, and um, finally, I just put my face on the ground in dirt and I just said, Jesus, I'm yours. You know, please come into my life. Please take over my life. Um, you are my one and only Savior. Mm. And, and everything else I'm going to do now is for you. So you lead me. You tell me where I'm going to go. Let's go. So that was the day, May 19th. 2009. Yeah. That is pretty cool. How about yeah. that? 2009, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, how did uh, how did he let you know about this? So one night we were sitting on the couch and we were just about casually, two weeks later. Right? Yeah, we were just casually talking, and um, I had had something on my heart that I wanted to share with him, but um, I kept it to myself for a while because I didn't want to influence him in any way. And I just blurted out, um, I gave myself to Jesus, and um, it's okay if you're not there yet, and he stood up, turned around and looked at me, and he said, I beat you to it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how it happened. That'll win. (laughs) That's pretty cool. (laughs) Okay, so, okay, uh, last question is, uh, uh, so that's been about almost 10, 10, 11 years now since this transition happened. Uh, yeah. Tell me about the guy that you live with today. Oh, I don't even recognize that guy. Um, I think God has just erased him from our lives. and Because yeah. um, he, he, he kind of died. Yeah, I definitely yeah. died. Um, and I, it was hard to come up with a story with um, that being said. He is selfless now. He um, mentors people at work. He hands out Bibles and books to those fellows at work. Um, they seek guidance with, you know, they want to hear God's word through him. Yeah, so we're before, they, I mean, yeah. he might have been yelling like not and a, yelling throwing at, wrenches cussing, and cussing. Cussing, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I don't need any examples yeah. of that yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, now he lets God lead our family, leads yeah. him, and he just continues to pursue Christ. I like one of the things that you told us that really touched me and I think will touch a lot of people is that you guys still get into discussions today. Oh, yes. We, we still have some discussions. Uh-huh. They are not anywhere like the discussions before and um he comes to me and he says after our discussion um i'm sorry my part of this that i brought was this and i own it and how could i have done things better Uh and differently and so it makes it really hard to hold a grudge yeah yeah so yeah it really does right and then Uh you look inward to see what what your part was and how you could have wouldn't you guys love your mate to do that with you? Or how about 
you do it for your mate, right? I mean, it's a big, yeah, right? He also um, daily, um, it could be to anyone, um, his boss, um, our pastor at Speedway, just me, anyone, he asks, how can I serve you daily? Yeah. How can I serve you? Yeah. What, what can I do for you? And so that's me, different. So let me ask you a question. Uh, do you like uh, being married to this guy or to that guy? <laughs> There's, there's really no choice. I like the new guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kent 2.0. <laughs> the looks are still here though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She got the looks and the spiritual life. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So you both would say life on this side is way better than life on that side. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Let's give it up for the Young family for sharing their story today. Wow. But there's one more thing I've got to tell you uh, before we wrap up, Okay. Taking notes, write it down. Uh, you can't do it. You can't do it. Let's pray. This is what Paul is trying to teach us, and it's very important in chapter 7, verse 14. Now, I'm going to read a long passage of scripture here, okay? It's, and I want you to identify every time Paul uses the personal pronoun I or me, okay? I'm going to read it kind of fast. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is written, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin, it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have desired to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me, for my inner being, for in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work in my members. What a wretched man am I who will rescue me from this body of death. Now, here's the deal. We've been using this analogy of taking your bag with you, and ultimately, you're going to meet God at the checkpoint into the eternal kingdom. And we said to you that there is in all of us sin that we inherited in this bag. And so we identified it for it may be greed or selfishness or anger or a variety of things that is not appropriate in the eternal kingdom. And you got to get rid of this before you get there. And this is what Christ did for you. When you placed your faith in Christ, you transferred all of this to Christ, okay? And that this will never be brought up in your face again before God. But here's the thing we need to tell you, that even though he paid for your sin, this suitcase represents your body. And this body with a mind and a flesh is the body you got from the first Adam, and it still contains a sin nature. 
And so when you came to Christ, you are now at war. You want to live out the vision of God, but you are still encased in this perishable body that is filled with sin. Now, one day, you're going to lose this body. That's why you, you're not really dying. This body is temporary, and it's going to give out. And when that happens, you're going to receive an imperishable body at the return of Christ, and that body will not die and contains no sin. You will be freed from the sin nature once and for all. But in the meantime, you still embody a sin nature that is warring against you every single day. So now what are you going to do? The answer, I'm gonna tell you next week. I'm gonna tell you next week, and here's the deal. Um, it's something that you need in order to grow, but you already have it. Actually, it's not a what, but it is a who. And I wanna encourage you next week, and this week in preparation, to read Romans chapter eight a million times. I am telling you, this is my favorite chapter in all of the Bible because it is going to release for you the power to actually live now the life God created you for and the life you will experience forever in the kingdom for the sake of the others in your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Be standing to your feet, please, as I leave you with this closing benediction. A reminder that our prayer partners will be down here at the front in our North Sanctuary, our South Sanctuary Speedway Campus, available to pray for you online. Uh, if you want to talk about becoming a Christian, being baptized, or any burden that you're carrying. Uh, again, reminder, if you're interested in the deaf sign language, the sign language class, after the service in the Lenexa campus, uh, Roseanne, Amanda, and Debbie will be there to answer your questions and to sign you up, or you can go to uh, westsidefamily.church slash ASL class. Now, go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all people. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Have a great day, church.